Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. God has a purpose, amen? God has a purpose for your life. All of you are born with a purpose in life. And uh, that's what I want to touch on today. I want to remind each of you that you may not have been called to be a pastor or even a worship leader or fill in the blank. God has a purpose for you. Maybe you're discovering that now, but it's never too late. There are times in our life when we can feel all alone, like God has deserted us, like we don't know what's going on. Ever been there? They say that you can feel lonely in the middle of thousands of people. Uh, If you've ever been to a strange place by yourself, you can feel lonely by yourself in the middle of hundreds and thousands of people. We don't know what to do, where to turn, what to say, but I want to remind you today, the Lord has called you and given you a purpose and a plan for your life. Amen. From the moment you were born, God has given you a plan for your life. He has already picked out a plan for you. For some of us, like me, and I'll get into that, it takes us years to finally give in to that plan, to allow the Lord to say, okay, Lord, I give up and I give in to you. Lead. And, and others of you, it's easier where you just say, okay, Lord, lead, and I'll follow. I, I know I'm of that attitude now, but I wasn't that attitude forever. It took me a while, but again, today I want to remind you that you were born with purpose. Each of us have a unique purpose, a unique calling in ministry and in life. There, are, there is a circle in, of influence that only you can reach that no other person in this church can reach. Every one of you have a circle of influence, of friends, a bubble, so to speak, that you can be an influence, for good or bad. But I want to tell you today, God called you to be good, amen? Let's just get that straight. This is also known as your life mission. Each of you have a life mission. And I know when you're young, you'll say, oftentimes you can think, well, you know, if I'm a teenager or in my 20s, when I get to be in my 30s or 40s, I'll figure it out. Hey, let me just tell you right now, sometimes you're in your 50s and 60s, you're still trying to figure it out. Amen? Sometimes it, it, it's, a, it's a struggle if you fight against it. But the Lord is wanting to remind you today, he's given you a purpose. There is a life mission that you have. You're not just to go through this world, just bounce around, feel lonely like there's nothing for you to do. God has a mission for each of you. Amen. Can I just invite you to stand as we read God's word? I don't know if we have these scriptures up here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, it is verse 10, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. It's one verse. Let us read this verse. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. Say that with me. For we are God's masterpiece. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you are his masterpiece. Now say that to your other neighbor and tell him, you too, you are his masterpiece. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let's pray again. Father God, we pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit that you would help us to open our hearts, open our ears as we receive your word today. Remind us, Father, of the purpose you have called us to in these last days. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated this afternoon. Amen. Let me just share again what I was leading to. When, when I got saved, I got saved in my mid-20s, and immediately I felt that the Lord had called me to ministry because I couldn't get enough of the Word. I couldn't get enough of it. I went out and bought all these books, books, tons of books, expensive books, ministry books, and I began to study these books in addition to the Bible. I was the first one to receive that Holy Spirit experience in my family. My, my mom, shortly, right after that, received this born-again experience. My sister Irene, my, my sister Yolanda, who, who just passed away recently, who is now rejoicing in heaven with her Savior. And then my brother Reuben, about 10 years later, amen, all received this experience. But I was the first one in my family, and I didn't know anybody else that was a minister in my family. There were no ministers. There were no pastors. There's no evangelists. I wasn't raised in that. And so it, there wasn't anybody to encourage me to really pursue that. I thought, well, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm like a sponge. I, I love this stuff. I love to share his word. But I felt that. But what God was telling me, he was telling me, hey, I've gifted you with this. And I want you to take this and minister but I didn't know how to do that. I was a young believer. I didn't know how. That, I didn't have any examples to show me. So consequently, I ran the other way. In fact, after just a couple of years, I walked away from the Lord. I walked away from that experience that he gave me. And I've shared this with you before. I walked away from that experience and all the blessings in life. How many know that when you are called and you are born again, there is a covering over you? There's a covering. It's like when you pull out that umbrella when it's raining. I know an umbrella is what you pull out when it rains, when water falls from the heavens. We haven't had that out here forever. But you put it out there to protect yourself because it's raining down on you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It rains down on us when we follow His will, when we listen and follow His guidance. Amen? And I ran from that. My life was not in a good place at that point as I walked away from God. And then one day after a few years of living like this, and I've shared this again, I found myself in a pit where I said, how did I end up here? Was it with any of you? It was in a pit. I felt like the prodigal son feeding, pig, feeding pigs. That's what I felt like. And I said, Lord, how did I get here? And it was at that moment that he called to me and said, I'm right here. And I climbed out of that pit with his help. And I've never looked back, never looked back. And I said, God, I'll, I'll go where you lead. I'll go where you lead. The Lord cleaned me up, 
put me back on the rock to stay. He cleaned me up. And it was shortly after that, a, a couple of years after that, I met my sweet Anna, my beautiful bride of 28 years. Amen? And we had been married a little over 10 years. 10 years when finally I started to obey what the Lord had initially planted in my heart, which is to become a minister of God. And so I began my studies, and eventually I became licensed and ordained in our denomination. And some of you were there at, at the uh, ordination. This all took place in my 50s. Can I get an amen? It's not too late. Can you say that? It's never too late. It's never too late. What is that purpose that God has called you into? What is your mission in life? I want to remind you today, it's never too late. I mean, there are so many examples in the Bible from Abraham and Sarah being parents in their elderly age. It's never too late. And every woman over the age of 50 said, oh, no. <laughs> Amen. But I, I eventually got ordained. And at that time, when I was studying to become a pastor, it was the very first time that Anna had told me this. But she said that when she got saved, she revealed this to me for the very first time. And we'd already been married, oh, well over 10 years. And she said, the Lord had told me that I would be married to a pastor at some point. And when she got married to me, I wasn't a pastor. But God has a purpose, amen? God has a plan. And you and I can't change that no matter how hard we try. We can attempt to walk away, run away, choose another path. But eventually, he'll bring you back to fulfill the mission he's called for your life. Can I get an amen? He is faithful to his promises. God never changes his mind. If he's spoken to you to lead a small group, a Bible study, to minister to the people at Walmart who we know need the gospel, I mean, do that. Do that. Amen? That's your calling. That's part of it. You see, God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for each of you, each of you that are watching you have a calling. Can I get a witness this, this afternoon? Amen. I have another scripture. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Chapter 1 and verse 4 through 8. I want to read, and again, I'm, this is the New Living Translation. I love the way it says it this way. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And it says, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Did you catch that? I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. God has known you and has had a plan for you before he even created you. Before he even placed you in your mother's womb, he had a plan for you. That is the amazing part about our God. Amen? I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't 
be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I think for too many of us, our excuses are, well, no, that's not for me, Lord. I'm too old. I'm too shy. I'm not good with words, Lord. Hey, believe me, the Lord will bring somebody alongside you to speak for you. Amen? Somebody to translate for you. Somebody to witness for you. The important thing is that we follow God in obedience. That's what he's looking for, is obedience. Don't you think that if the Lord knew you from the womb, that he has a plan and a purpose for your life? Of course he does. He has a plan and purpose for your life. Just remember this. Where he leads, he will guide. Because we often sit back and say, Lord, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I've never been that way. I've never done that. Where he leads, he will guide. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about what it looks like. Where he leads, he will guide. Amen. 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 How many believe that we're in the last days? The Bible talks about last days. It talks about things, events that occur in the last days. And I believe we're beginning to see that. Of course, it's been said for many, many years. But I believe there's things now that are going on that are even more telling in the world. Signs in these last days. I want to read a scripture to you. uh, Found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Starting with verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Now, I want you to pay close attention to the descriptions given here. Tell me that we're not in the last days. Verse 2, For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. And jumping down to verse 5, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I don't know about you, but I just described our generation, our modern generation. And again, if you don't believe me, just walk into Walmart later this afternoon. You'll see all of this taking place. Amen. Boastful and proud. Kids disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. I could never imagine doing that with my parents. You know, the old school parents, you just weren't ungrateful to them. You always respected them. Amen. But nowadays, that's a lost art. Kids do not respect their parents. That is a sign that we are in the last days. What I want to focus on is this word, the term the power, where it says in verse 5, they will act religious, but they will reject the power. The word power there in the Greek is the word dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from. Power, explosive power. Everybody say explosive power. Yes. Again, how many would agree that we're living in difficult times today? The last few years have been a testament of that. And because of that, 
we need his power to be able to go through these difficult times with the depression and the anxiety and the suicide that we see all around us in our generation. People with no hope, seemingly, in this world because they've given up, because they are not relying on the power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to, for the next few moments, just touch on a couple of things that will help us serve our purpose through these life challenges, through these difficult times that we're living in, because God has a purpose for you today. Amen. The very first thing I would tell you is get filled and stay filled. Say that with me. Get filled and stay filled. How many just go to Costco and fill up their gas tank once and forget about it? No, I wish it was that way, right? I wish we could just go get gas and then not have to worry about it the rest of the year or the rest of the month or the rest of the week even sometimes for some of us. That's not the way it goes. And especially with gas prices, the way they are now, it's painful. It's very painful right now. But we need to fill her up and stay filled. Spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. We need to get filled and stay filled. You don't just get filled once. It's a refilling, constant refilling, constant refilling, constant refilling. And that's what we experienced on Sunday when we were in service. We were just getting filled because we didn't have to give and fill other people. We were just receiving. That's why it was so beautiful to me because we were getting filled. It's a beautiful thing when you're filled. Amen? It's a beautiful thing when you leave the gas station and it says F, full. It's a beautiful feeling. Amen. The Lord has been dealing with me on this topic of being filled for, for quite a while now. It seems like every church service I go to, every time I listen to a sermon, every time I read word, there's a common theme in all of it for, for quite a bit now, quite a while now. The Holy Spirit is reminding me that He wants to be poured out upon all flesh, especially in these last days. The Holy Spirit wants to just dump on you, pour out on you, because you and I need the power from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> How many would agree with me on that? Question for you this afternoon. Are you desirous of the things of God? Do you desire more of God? Or are you just content where you're at? You and I should constantly be saying, Lord, give me more. Give me more of you. Give me more of your power, your strength, your peace, your gentleness, your love, your faithfulness, your kindness. Amen? I want more of that in my life. Amen? Because when we're filled with his presence, he goes wherever we go. He goes to Lake Tahoe with us. He went with us. We took Jesus with us. He was with us. We actually went into a Walmart in, Lake, in Reno, and he was with us, and we needed him. Amen. But he goes with you, and he fills you with peace and love. Okay, I got to knock off on those Walmart attacks. I got to chill here. Okay, let's turn to a couple more scriptures in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. 
you knew I was eventually going to get to the book of Acts if you knew I was talking about dunamis and the power of his presence. So Acts chapter 1 and starting in verse 4. The Bible says on one occasion, while he, talking about Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus had been talking, had been telling his disciples that his father was going to bring out a gift to them. And in verse 5 it says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is telling him, hey, wait, hold up. This is after his resurrection. He's saying, wait in Jerusalem. Just continue to pray because the Bible says they were praying. Everybody says praying, praying. They were all praying together. And the Bible says they were together in this place called an upper room. They were upstairs in this room. 120 of them were gathered together. And he says, wait there. Wait in Jerusalem. And the promise of the Father will fill you. They didn't know what to expect, though. They didn't know what to expect. They were excited about it. They were saying, we're going to receive something from our Heavenly Father. So they were anticipating something. They were excited about what was to come. Amen? Now, let's pick it up in Acts chapter 2 in verse 1 through 4. And this is where they were found in the upper room. When, and starting in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And just stop there. There's something about being together, not just physically together, but being of one mind and one, one, one heart and one body. Being together, being on the same level, pursuing the same thing, having the same mindset, having the same goal. Amen? There's something about that. They were all together in one place. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. It wasn't a violent wind. It was the sound like a violent wind from heaven came and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. On each of them, it goes on to say there were 120 people in this room. 120. And it says here that it came to fall on each of them, rest on them. All of them, in verse 4, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This was the promise of the Father. And here I'll even, I'll tell you this, this wasn't just a one-time event for them because we know that if we keep reading the Word of God in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, Acts, it's a repeat of this experience. They continue to receive the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, let me parallel this. When, with Anna and myself, when we were in Tahoe this past week, there were instances where we saw distant rain clouds out in the distance. In fact, this, the last few days, it's been pouring rain down there or up there, monsoon-type weather. But when we were there, it was nice and clear, a few clouds. But off in the distance, you could see clouds, and you could see the, 
the rain that would be coming down through those clouds. How many know what I'm talking about? You can see clouds, and you know that everything that is under that is getting soaked. It's getting soaked. It's getting poured upon. In the same way, the Lord wants to send his presence to you and I to just soak you, to just rest on you, to just be poured out upon you. Amen? He wants to fill you and refill you. Amen? Because these are the last days we need his presence, his power, his dunamis to be able to overcome, overcome our addictions, overcome our past, overcome the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the lack of love, or whatever you fill in the blank. You can't do it on yourself, on your own. How many have tried? I know I've tried. You can't do it on your own. You need his help. Amen? And that's why we need his presence like never before. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17. Same book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 2 and verse 17 says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Say that with me. On all people. Not just for the rich, not just for the ones that uh, are related to the pastor. No, 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 no. It says for all people. It goes on to say, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. These are the last days. God wants to pour out his spirit. You see, that's why everywhere... I look, that's all I see, is God's Spirit being poured out. I see it in, in my prayer life, His presence being poured out. I see it when I listen to a sermon from some of my favorite preachers. It's what they're talking about. It's not by coincidence, amen? How many know that with God there are no coincidences? He wants to remind you, these are the last days you and I need to be filled and refilled and refill again. Amen? So the very first thing again is to be filled and be refilled. The second thing I would tell you today as part of our purpose in these last days is to preach the gospel. Say that with me. Preach the gospel. <clears throat> Everywhere you go, share the gospel. You rolling out the garbage cans tomorrow morning if it's garbage day, say hi to your neighbor. Hey, God bless you. God loves you. Whether it's at the laundromat, whether it's at work tomorrow, share the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That's what gospel means. Good news. It's good news for you and I because he came to die for you and I that we might have everlasting life with him. Amen? Let's listen to Acts. I have a few more scriptures before I close. A couple more scriptures. Acts chapter 3, verses 18 through 19. Acts chapter 3. It says this, But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Verse 19. Repent then 
and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You see, those times of refreshing or the, the presence of God cannot come until you and I repent. We gotta, and repentance just means walking this way and doing a 180. It's walking away from that lifestyle, walking away from the vices, from the addictions, from the lifestyle that's throwing you off from following God. Amen? God wants to fill you and pour out upon you. He wants to just dump on you and soak you with his presence. But he's calling you and I to repent, first of all. Amen? Amen. And I want to, as we get ready, as we get toward the end here, I want to read Romans chapter 10. Because this is how simple it is. I just want to tell you how simple it is. We complicate it. Lord, I... I have so much baggage. You don't know what I've got. You don't know what I've done. You can't forgive me. Oh, you want to bet? God can forgive you of all things. Amen? But Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 9. I'm going to read through verse 13. Starting in verse 9, it says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How simple is that? Let me repeat that again. That if you declare that Jesus is Lord, that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, not Pastor Rick, the Bible says you will be saved. A six-year-old can do that. An eight-year-old can do that. A 10-year-old can do that. A 50-year-old can do that. God didn't complicate this. He didn't say you got to become a member of a church. He didn't say you even have to give any financial blessing to the church. He just says, believe on your heart that God raised them from the dead and you will be saved. The Bible goes on to say in verse 10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. <clears throat> Verse 11, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. First, Verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. You see, Jesus didn't make this complicated. He made it very simple. And that's why we say a, a sinner's prayer here. It's based out of Romans chapter 10. When we say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. What you're saying is, Lord, I'm repenting of what I was doing. Now I'm receiving you by faith. This is the start. This is the start of that journey. And when the Lord 
hears you and hears you declare that audibly, the Bible says you are saved. The Bible says you are saved. Amen? As I close, if I can have uh, the worship team come up again. Do you know what happens when we begin to seek God like never before? Just as in the scriptures we just read, we see the following things occur. There's two things that always occur in every revival, in every place found in the scriptures, in every church, every great church. But there's two things. Number one, it's bold preaching. When I talk about bold preaching, I'm not just talking about somebody that's yelling, because anybody can yell. I'm talking about bold preaching, calling out things where they stand, calling out sin where it exists calling out righteous living. Amen? That's bold preaching. Second thing is faith and repentance rise up. Faith and repentance rise up. Your faith is increased. We want to repent of things in our life that we've hidden, that we're holding on to. See, there's no secret thing to God. God knows all things. <clears throat> That's why... When we hear of disgraced pastors, ministers, churches for things that were hidden, that come out in truth into the light. Because with God, all things are revealed at some point. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing. It will all be revealed. If you think you're hiding something, can I just tell you right now, it's not going to be hidden forever. It will be revealed at some point. Amen? God is giving you an opportunity to just say, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. I confess. You know, as I, as I mentioned, we went to church last Sunday and just, just a wreck, absolute wreck, listening to the sermon, listening to the worship, getting involved in the worship. And I was just wiped out. I really was. It was, it was wonderful. It was a blessing. I needed that. Anna needed that. But I couldn't stop crying to soak it up his presence. And I want this church, I want each of you to just soak up his presence. Yes, I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to soak up his presence. I'm supposed to desire more of him. But I want that for you because I see his blessings in my life when I soak that up. Do you need him today? What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that you're hiding? What is it that you have never received from God and you don't think God could give that to you? I want to remind you today, he's called you. He's known you from the womb. I want to remind you today how much he loves you, but he wants to fill you, Amen. It was a beautiful thing getting soaked in his presence. It was a liberating thing. And that's why the scriptures declare where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You and I can declare God's praises, glory to God, where there is his presence, where his presence is located. There's freedom to receive. There's freedom to pray for others, freedom to pray for the sick, freedom to pray for those to be healed, freedom to just rejoice in Him, freedom to thank Him for where He saved you and brought you from. Amen? 
How many would agree that God is good? He is good. God is good. All the time. And He is here today. Would you stand today with me? We're going to close with a couple of songs in worship today. And after that, I'm going to invite If you want prayer today, I want to invite you to come up. But let's, let's allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to you today, minister to your heart right now as we sing. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.